Thanks for tuning in to Dream City Omaha, where we're all about helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. We hope this message impacts your life, and be sure to like and subscribe for more. Today we're going to, to get into God's Word. Last week we kind of took a break from our chronological reading for Converge, and, and, and Alan was with us, but for those of you that have been here from the beginning of the year, you know we're going through the Bible chronologically together. There's a reading plan that we've all been, we've all been going through. I, I appreciate your questions. I appreciate your comments. Many of you are, are emailing me or, or texting me, Pastor John, what about this? Pastor John, what does this mean? What do you think this? And, and honestly, like I am growing in this time as much as you guys are. And so I know if it's been beneficial for me, I trust that it's been beneficial for you. You can find the reading plan on the app. Today we have the new February reading plans out there. And so if you need uh, or if you want a physical copy, you can grab one of these on the way out. Today we started reading the book of Exodus. I love the book of Exodus. We are introduced to Moses and pretty soon the, the people of Israel will be released from captivity and then we'll see Charlton Heston standing on Mount Sinai with the, the stone tablet. Somebody said, somebody, somebody had the idea that as a church, we should do a, a church movie night and show Charlton Heston's three hour and 40 minute, whatever it is, 10 commandments. And I thought that that was a pretty good idea. So we'll talk about that as a team and maybe we'll come together and do that. But, but before we get to Exodus, I wanna talk about kind of where we've been. We missed last week, so kind of to catch us up, we, we were introduced to Abraham and we saw God uh, make a covenant with Abraham that he will be the father of many nations and that the entire world through him would be blessed. There was this promise of, of a son to come in Abraham and Sarah's old age. And we saw how that Abraham didn't see the promise fulfilled right away. And how many of you know when God gives us a promise and we don't see the immediate fulfillment of that promise, we can oftentimes try and help God out a little bit. For those of you that have ever tried to help God out, how has that worked for you? It's not usually a good thing, right? Like, God, maybe you need my assistance. Let me just tell you right now, God doesn't need your assistance. God doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't need your help in fulfilling his promises. All he needs is your faithful obedience. All he needs is for you to trust in him. All he needs is for you to keep your eyes upon him. And we saw how that Abraham, when he tried to take matters into his own hands and Sarah tried to take matters into her own hands, it's created this mess that honestly, the, the tension and the wars that we see in the Middle East today are a direct result of Abraham and Sarah taking matters into their own hands. And their descendants being at war with one another to this very day is a result of not trusting in God. And so we saw Abraham, we see Isaac, who is the son that was promised. We, we see him and, and Rebecca, they have two kids, Jacob and Esau, and we saw all the family drama that came in. And some of you read that and it's like, man, they make my family seem normal. Like I thought my family was messed up and then I read the, I read the book of Genesis like I've never read it before and just all the, the drama, it's like it plays out like a reality TV show, does it not? People say the Bible is boring. I ask them, what Bible are you reading? Because mine is anything but boring. And so we see Jacob and Esau and, and really this last week, we, we really looked at the life of, of one of Jacob's sons, his favorite son man by the name of Joseph. And we're introduced to Joseph at, at 17 years old as a young man. And we, 
We read the story of his life. That's what we were, were reading this week. And so that's where we're going to be. I want us to, to look at Joseph and, and, and pull out some principles from Joseph's life. But I told you when we started this, this chronological plan that, that everything in the Bible points to Jesus. Right? The Old Testament points to Jesus. The New Testament reveals Jesus. The Old Testament gives us pictures where the New Testament gives us principles and the fulfillment of promises. And so when we read the Old Testament, so there, there are some times where we'll read things and it's like, but what does that have to do with anything? All of it is inspired by God and inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so it's there for a reason. And, and the reason is to point us to Jesus. And as you read the story of Joseph, I'm hoping that you you are able to pick out some of those things as Joseph is a picture of Christ, some of those things that, that point to Jesus to come. And if you didn't, I wrote down just a couple. Joseph was his father's favorite son. Jesus, when he was baptized, God spoke and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Joseph was hated by his brothers. Jesus was rejected by his own people. Joseph's brothers conspired to kill him. The Pharisees conspired to kill Jesus. Joseph's brothers stripped him of his robe. Jesus was stripped of his clothes as he hung on the cross. Joseph was sold into slavery for 20 pieces of silver. Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph was a servant to, to Potiphar. Jesus came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve. Joseph was surrounded by the baker and the cupbearer in prison. Jesus had two men on the cross next to him. One of them was restored, the cupbearer. One of them on the cross was saved that day. Joseph was promoted and ruled over Egypt. Jesus was promoted and is now the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Joseph was 30 years old when he began to rule in Egypt. Jesus was 30 years old when he began his earthly ministry. Joseph knew his brothers, but they didn't recognize him. Jesus came as the Messiah, but he wasn't recognized either. Joseph shows mercy, grace, and forgiveness to his brothers, and we are saved by grace and receive forgiveness through the work of Christ. Joseph brought his family so that they could be with him in the land. Jesus went to prepare a place for us so that where he is, we can be also. It never mentioned that Joseph sinned, and Jesus is the one who lived without sin. Now, those are just a couple. Just, just, a, just to whet your appetite a little bit, because as you go and you read, it, there's so much there, even the two in prison, the baker and the cupbearer, the baker, bread, the cupbearer, wine. Jesus came to establish the new covenant through his broken body, which we just celebrated a moment ago, his broken body, which we remember with the broken bread and the blood that was shed, which we remember with the cup. And so you see all of these things in the story of Joseph that will point us to the coming of Jesus Christ one day. But as we look at the story of Joseph, Joseph, he, he, I don't know that he gets the credit he deserves. And, and not that it's about getting credit, right? Like not that Joseph is up in heaven like, man, David stole my thunder. <laughs> right? Like, like when we think about the Old Testament, you know, we think about David, the greatest king that, you know, that, that ruled over Israel, the greatest king in the nation. But David did some jacked up stuff. And we'll get to David. David will have his turn. But Joseph was a man of such integrity and such character and such mercy and such grace. And through him, the entire nation of Israel would be saved. And it's incredible when I read this story that we 
today don't remember Joseph, I don't think we remember him enough. I don't think we talk about him enough. But today we're going we're gonna to talk about him. Genesis chapter 37, if you have your Bibles, if not, the verses will be on the screens. Verse 2 says, this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. How would you like to be named that? But Joseph, listen to what Joseph does. Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. We all know the phrase, snitches get stitches. He's reporting, Dad, he's a tattletale. Verse 3, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age from his favorite wife. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. And one night Joseph has a dream. When he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he says. Get this, guys. Check this out. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain and suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered round and bowed low before mine. Isn't that a good dream, guys? His brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? This is what is called foreshadowing <laughs> for those that haven't finished the story. They hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream. We'll, we'll stop there. So Joseph is given these dreams. He's given this robe. He's loved by his father. He's his father's favorite son. He, he has this dream that his brothers are bowing down before him. They hate him all the more. And it's not like Joseph was the oldest. Like it'd be one thing if the oldest child came and said, hey, guys, I had this dream and one day you will all serve me. It'd be different, but he's, he's baby 11 out of 12. Like he's, he's, the, he's the baby of the family and he's the one coming saying, you guys are all gonna bow down. At least that's what, what God said through this dream he gave me. What do you think that that means? And so they, they hate him for it. One day they're, they're out tending to the flock and, and Jacob comes to Joseph and he says, hey, go check on Go check on your brothers, see what's going on. And so we're going we're gonna to skip ahead, verse 18. It says that when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance, probably by the bright coat that Joseph was always wearing. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. Overreact much? Like, here comes Joseph. I know what we should do. Let's kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father that a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, I pray that over the next few moments, you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts, that we would be able to fully receive whatever it is that you would have to say to us today. God, we thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word and in your scripture and pray that you would do just that today, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, that you would comfort us today through your word. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name and everybody said amen. Amen. Joseph is, is given this dream at 17 years old. He's favored and loved by his father. God gives him this dream and... The next thing you know, Joseph is being 
thrown into a pit. They said, let's kill him. And one of the brothers is like, no, let's not kill him. Like that seems a little harsh. Let's sell him into slavery. Good job. Thank you, brother, for looking out for me and having my back. And, and so he's sold into slavery. And we see that, that Joseph goes from this place of being favored in his father's household, wearing the robe and having the dreams, to now being despised because of them. And, and if I was Joseph, it would be very easy to, to throw your hands up and say, God, what was that dream? Like, God, what's going on? I know you gave me this dream. I know that this dream was from you, but it seems like this dream is turning into a nightmare. Have you ever been there in your own life? Where you've had a dream and, and you've had a plan and, and God gave you a, a vision of what was going to be and it hasn't really fulfilled yet. And as you look around, it's like this dream feels more like a nightmare. Maybe it was a job and in your head, it was like, I thought this was gonna go differently. Maybe, maybe it was a relationship that you've been praying for and asking God and God has spoken things and deposited desires in your heart and dreams in your heart and you look around and it's like, but God, why am I in this well? But God, why, why are the people that are closest to me the ones who are hurting me the most? God, it feels like this dream is a nightmare. Today, I want to, to talk to you about what to do when your dreams turn into nightmares because that, that kind of is where Joseph is at. What do we do? What are, what are we supposed to do when our dreams turn into nightmares? Three things. Number one, the first thing I want you to write down is this. If you find yourself in this place where you look around, it's like, I don't understand what's happening. Remember that God is with you. Remember that God is with you, regardless of where you're at and regardless of what you're going through. God is with you. The Bible tells us that Joseph was, was taken to Egypt by these traitors he was purchased by Potiphar, an, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So Joseph is serving in this man's house. And the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph. Somebody say, the Lord was with Joseph. Say, with Joseph. He didn't just see Joseph. He didn't just know where Joseph was. He wasn't just aware of Joseph. He was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything. Joseph succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. He sold into slavery. He, he works hard. The Bible says that the Lord is with him and caused everything that he did to prosper. That goes great and everything is fine and he keeps getting promoted. But the next thing you know, Potiphar's wife, right? Like we get an episode of like Desperate Housewives of Egypt. And, and the next thing you know, he's not, he's not just a slave, but now he's thrown into prison. And, and as he's thrown into prison, the warden notices something about Joseph. And here's what the Bible says. As Joseph is in prison, the Lord was what? With him in the prison. He was with Joseph in the prison, showing him his faithful love, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite. of the, He turned him into Andy Dufresne. So Joseph is in prison as Andy Dufresne, the favorite of the warden. God is with him in the prison. No matter where you are today, you need to know that God is with you. No matter what you're going through today, you need to know that God is with you. Isn't it like us, though, to, to get to this place where we feel so alone? We look around and it's like, there's nobody here with me. 
Nobody has my back. Nobody's supporting me. Nobody's encouraging me. I, I feel no love or no connection from anybody. And, and typically what happens is when things don't go the way we want them to or the way we plan them to or the way we, we thought they would at this stage of our life, what we plan, typically tend to do is withdraw and we can tend to isolate. And it's like, no, I, I just, I don't trust anybody. I don't want anybody. I just, I just want to be here and throw myself a pity party all by myself. And it's when, we're, when we feel the most alone that he wants to make his presence known to us. The Lord was with him. The Lord caused everything he, he did to succeed. It, it says time and time again in Genesis chapter 39 that the Lord was with him. Reminds me of the story in Deuteronomy is the children of Israel getting ready to go into the promised land. And the Lord has promised Moses. And now Moses is speaking to Joshua and Soon the Lord will come to Joshua and confirm this to him as well. But here's what God says in Deuteronomy. He says, don't be afraid or discouraged because the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will never fail you and he will not abandon you. Some of you need to, to hear that today. Some of you need to write that down today. Some of you need to etch that on your heart today that God is with me, that he will go before me. That he will never leave me. He will never abandon me. He will never fail me. He will never break one of his promises to me because if God gave it to me, he will see it through to fruition. We feel so alone and it's like, God, where are you? But God was with him. No matter where Joseph went, no matter what happened to Joseph, God was with him. God is with you today. And as God is with him, what does Joseph do? He works. He works hard. And he works diligently. What is he doing? He's taking responsibility for what he's responsible for. Notice he doesn't take responsibility for what his brothers did to him. He doesn't take responsibility for what Potiphar's wife said about him. He doesn't take responsibility for the actions of others. He doesn't allow what other people have done to him affect his attitude today. I coached my son's baseball team, and he would tell you if he was in here, I don't even know where he's at. He should be in here. Jace, why are you not in here? Oh, he's on camera in the back. Hi, son. I coached my son's baseball team, and before every game, I would tell them, there are only two things that you can control today. What are they, Jace? Your attitude and your effort. There's only two things you, you can't control what the umpire does. You can't control the calls that he makes. You can't control the bounces that you get. You can't control what the other team does. You can't, there are things that are going to happen today that you can't control. But there are two things that regardless of what external situation comes, you can always control. And that's your attitude and your effort. And if you can focus on those two things and give your best attitude and your best effort, then regardless of what happens on the field today, you will have grown and become a better player and a better person. And as I look at Joseph, what are the things that he's always taking responsibility for? His attitude and his effort. He doesn't focus on the external, man. He doesn't throw himself a pity party. I, I, I can't believe my brothers sold me. Can't believe my brothers did this to me. How could they? He didn't, he didn't blame Potiphar's wife. He didn't go to Pharaoh to plead his case. I'm innocent. No. What does he control? His attitude and his effort. He doesn't look back if dad would have just not given me that stupid coat. 
I didn't even like it anyway. It was uncomfortable. If mom wouldn't have died when I was young, he doesn't look back on the circumstances in his life and say, if only it would have been. He takes responsibility for where he is. He doesn't once play the victim card in the entire story. It's not somebody else's fault. It's not, it's not the blame game. It's okay, God. This is where I am. What do I need to do? What do I need to be responsible for? And as he does that, God blesses him. He continues to, to show him favor. And it's not like this was just a bad stretch in Joseph's life. Like, it's not like he got six months. It's not like he was in slavery for, for, for a half a minute. This, this period of time, we were introduced to Joseph at what age? 17 years old. And I told you earlier, at what age does Joseph get promoted in Egypt? 30. What's 30 minus 17? All you math majors. 13. This is 13 years of his life. Let that sink in a little bit. How nearsighted we are. How impatient we are. How we live in such a drive through microwave culture. We went to, we went to Chick-fil-A a couple of weeks ago. And if you've driven past Chick-fil-A at like 6 o'clock, especially the one on West Dodge by Costco, you know what that line looks like. And so we pulled in. The kids wanted Chick-fil-A. So we pulled in, and Jason's like, we're not waiting. <laughs> like, I will, I will eat something else. I'm not waiting in this line. Like, Jason, it'll be fine. Like, it's, it's okay. Like, it's Chick-fil-A. It's worth waiting for. It's God's chicken. And he says, he says, no, he says, we're not waiting. He says, we're going to be here forever. And I'll admit, waiting in that line literally felt like forever. But I, I, I mentally made note of what time it was when we got in and what time it was when we left. Now, listen, in the moment, it felt like I was there for like three days. It felt like, you know, back in the day, we used to camp outside of Nebraska Furniture Mart when they were releasing like the new PlayStations. Like, that's what I felt like I was doing. And I was there for a total of 17 minutes. Now, in terms of like drive-through service, that's a long time. In terms of the, the span of my day, let alone my week, it's really, it's really not that long. You can't even bake a DiGiorno in that amount of time. <laughs> and I was getting frustrated because I'm waiting in this line. That's the culture that we live in. And if it's not satisfying me immediately, or God's promise isn't fulfilled immediately. And if it doesn't work out the second that I want it to, we get frustrated. We start blaming other people. We start blaming God. We start throwing our hands up in the air. And it's like, fine, God, I'll just do it myself. Like, that's who we are, but that's not who Joseph was. He remembered that God was with him. He took responsibility for what he was responsible for. For the second thing that we need to do if we're in that position is we need to keep our eyes on God. Stop looking to, to all of the other things. Stop trying to manifest it yourself. Stop trying to force it. Keep your eyes upon him. It tells us that he sold into Potiphar's house. And, and as he sold into Potiphar's house, here's what the Bible says about Joseph, that he was very handsome and a well-built young man. Somebody said, hey. <laughs> There's only a few people 
in the Bible that it tells you they were very handsome. He's one of a select few, like did said that about David. Said David had a nice tan and was good looking. That's what it said. It said that Saul, Saul was a head above, a head taller than everybody. He was tall and handsome. David was dark and handsome. Joseph was muscular and handsome. Like there are only a few people. If the Holy Spirit inspires somebody else to write that you were good looking, you know you were good looking. I'm just saying. <laughs> he was very handsome and a well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife, desperate housewives of Egypt, soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me. She demanded, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against who? God. How easy would it have been for Joseph to say, well, God abandoned me with my brothers and God abandoned me in the pit and God abandoned me when I was sold into slavery. Man, forget God. Let's go. How easy would it have been for him to do that? But that's not what he does. Why? Because he keeps his focus on God. He keeps his eyes upon God. What what happens after this? Joseph is then thrown into prison. False accusations. He goes running out of the room. Potiphar's wife makes up this story that that Joseph raped me. And Potiphar, when he hears about it, he's distressed. So what does he do? He throws Joseph into prison. Now, here's what's interesting is that Joseph should have been put to death for the charges against him. The punishment for that crime was to be put to death. That kind of leads me to believe, yes, God's favor, but that leads me to believe that Potiphar was mad because he kind of knew. He knew, like you're just making this up. Like Joseph, Joseph didn't, I know Joseph. Joseph's been working hard for me. Joseph is a man of character. Joseph is a man of integrity. He does everything I ask him to. I know Joseph wouldn't do that. He's mad though, because he has to do something. I can't just let Joseph go, but I don't want to put him to death because he doesn't deserve that. So what does he do? He throws him into prison. And as Joseph's in prison, he's then joined by two of Pharaoh's prisoners, the the cupbearer and the baker. And they come to Joseph one day and they're like, hey, we had some dreams and we don't know what they mean. Here's Here's what it says in the Bible. We both had dreams last night. No one can tell us what they mean. Here's Joseph's response. Okay, interpreting dreams is God's business. So go ahead, tell me what your dream was and maybe God will give you the interpretation. He could have taken credit. He could have said, all right, I got this. What was your dream? And I'll tell you what it means. No, he says, listen, I can't do that. That's, that's, not, that's not anything that I can do, but it's something that God can do. He's constantly redirecting, not just his own heart, but everybody around him back to God. Hey, Potiphar's wife, no, because here's what God says. Hey, 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 cupbearer, I can't do that, but I know a God that can Hey, Baker, that's not, that's not my skill set, but God is able to do anything. So he's redirecting himself, but he's also pointing people around him back to Jesus. The cupbearer gets out and in the fulfillment of his dream, he's back serving Pharaoh. Pharaoh has a dream. Cupbearer's like, oh, snap, I remember this dude in prison, Joseph. He interpreted my dream. Maybe he can interpret your dream. So Pharaoh calls for Joseph. Joseph comes. And here's what, here's what happens in that story. Pharaoh says to Joseph, I had a dream last night. No one here can tell me what it means. But I've heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. What is Joseph's response? It's beyond my power to do this, but God can tell you what it means. Potiphar's wife, fellow prisoners, 
King Pharaoh, listen, it's not about me. It's about God. It's not about me. It's about God. Are you trying to direct more attention to you? Or are you trying to reflect more attention back to God? He's in this place where he's been given a dream. It feels like a nightmare. What does he do? He keeps his eyes fixed upon the Lord. He keeps his eyes fixed upon God. Stop looking to other prisoners to tell you what to do. Stop looking to politicians to tell you what to do. Stop looking to social media to tell you what to do. Stop trying to get your answers from all of these other sources that have no idea what they're talking about and go to the one who is the truth. And ask him, God, what do you want me to do in this moment? Because it doesn't look the way that I thought it would. Because I thought it was going to look so much different. Because I look around and it's, it's not what I planned and it's not what I hoped for, but this is where I am. So God, what do you want me to do? So Pharaoh has this dream. Joseph's like, here's what the dream means. Seven years of famine, seven years of, or seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. Pharaoh puts him in charge of all of Egypt. He said, only, only, other than me, you'll be the highest in command. So Joseph is, is administrating, he's ruling, he's collecting food, he's storing it, he's doing all of these things. Seven years come and go, the famine starts. Famine doesn't just hit Egypt, but it starts to, to move and it eventually hits Canaan as well, where his father and his brothers are living. And now like the big twist in the story comes because the famine hits his father's house and his father says to Joseph's brothers, go down to Egypt and buy us some food. Go down to Egypt and buy us some, some grain. In Genesis chapter 42, here's what it says. Since Joseph, if you have that scripture, go put that scripture up. Since Joseph was the governor of all of Egypt and in charge of selling grain to all the people, when his brothers came to buy food, who was it that they came to buy food from? Joseph. It was to him that his brothers came. And when they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. Does that ring any bells to you? What was the dream that Joseph had in the very beginning? Hey, my bundle of grain stood up and the rest of your bundles bowed low before mine. Oh, you think you're going to rule over us, do you? I don't know what it means because it's God's job to interpret dreams. I'm just telling you what I saw in my dream. They hated him. They despised him. They thought to kill him. They sold him into slavery. And now for 13 years, he's been kind of that, that memory in the back of their heads that they had to, to, to try and cover the lie. And every time Joseph's name got brought up, I'm sure that it triggered those responses in them. Now their families are back home starving and they've come to Egypt to buy grain and they come to Joseph to buy it and he recognizes them, but they don't know who he is and they fall on their faces. And in that moment, God, I guarantee you, reminds Joseph of the dream that he gave him. And in that moment, I'm sure it was like slow motion moment for Joseph and he's thinking back on the last 13 years. He's thinking back on the time that he was in the pit and he was alone and it was dark and it was damp and he thought they were going to leave him there. And then the rope came down and he thought he was saved only to find out they had sold him for 20 pieces of silver, which was lower than the price of a slave at that time. 
only to get to Egypt, be sold into slavery and servitude, to be falsely accused, to sit in prison for two years. Now God has restored him and promoted him in the favor of God upon his life, has got him to this place and the fulfillment of the dream that God gave him, the, the, the dream that it took at this point, like 19 years, 19 years to fulfill because it was the 13 before he was promoted and then the seven years of, of, of plenty and then probably two, so like 21 years that it's taken to get to this point in his life and God is like, remember that the dream that I gave you. Now here's the principle in this. If we, if we find ourselves in this point where at this place where our dreams begin to look like nightmares, what do we need to do? We need to trust in God's timing. Trust in his timing. Joseph was, was the governor. They came and, and they bought the grain from, from Joseph. And through a series of events, Joseph starts to mess with them. And, you know, you could read that a couple of ways. Like, was Joseph testing them to see if his brothers had changed? Was Joseph just like, I'm going to play a joke on you? Watch this. Like, I tend to think it was a little bit of both sends them home, gives them their money back. They get back home like, oh my gosh, our money is still here. They come back, but bring your younger brother who is Joseph's only full brother because same father, same mother. So he starts to play these, these tricks on him. Finally, the time comes where Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. And this is like one of, this is like the climax if Joseph's life was a movie. Like this would be that moment that like, you know, the, the, the sound starts to crescendo and like the feelings all start coming up. And like, there's probably a, a, a um, what do they call that? Where it's like a lot of scenes in one, a montage of everything that Joseph has gone through to get to this point. Here's what, here's what Joseph does. He reveals himself to his brothers. He says, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless, as you would be too. Like, we thought you was dead. My bad. Like, you, you wouldn't know what to say either, right? They, they were stunned. They didn't believe it. They, didn't, they, they were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said. So they came closer. And he says, really, it's me. It's Joseph. I am your brother, who you sold into slavery, thank you very much. And at this point, Maury Povich comes out and he's like, the DNA tester results are back and you are their brother. And he says, but don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. Listen, right here, it was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. It, was, it, it wasn't you. I, I know you've been giving yourself a hard time. You've been beating yourself up over the last however many years, but listen, I need you to understand that there was something bigger at work here. It wasn't just your hatred for me that caused me to end up in this place, but it was actually the plan in the favor of God to bring about the fulfillment of the dream that he had given me. And no, it didn't look the way that I wanted it to or the way that I thought that it would, or if I had scripted it out, I would have sold y'all into slavery, but that's not the way that God worked it. But you need to know it's okay. Why? Because God has been with me through it all. He was there when I had the dream. He was there with me in the pit. He was there with me in Potiphar's house. He was there with me in prison. He's been with me in Pharaoh's palace. And he's, he's gotten me to this place where now I recognize that the reason I'm here is because, because you would need somebody to provide. And that's why God has 
arranged all of this. Joseph shows such mercy, such grace in his response to his brothers. I would have been so vengeful. Like, throw them into prison. No, don't. Throw them into a pit and then sell them as slaves and then throw them into prison. And everything that they did to me, I want done to them. Isn't that how we are? Like, that's how we, naturally we are. And yet Joseph extends such grace and such forgiveness. One of my favorite verses, Genesis chapter 50. After Jacob dies, they get scared again. Like, well, maybe he was just being nice to us while dad was still alive. Like, now that dad's dead, Joseph's definitely going to kill us. So they come to Joseph, and they're like, hey, dude, like, I know we've apologized, but for real, we're sorry. Like, now that dad's dead, like, don't kill us, please. And here's what Joseph says in verse 20. He says, you intended to, me, to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Your intentions were one thing, but God's intentions were something different. You intended it to harm me, but God intended it not just for my good, but for your good. And at times in our lives, we don't know why God does what he does. We don't understand it. You know how many times God has told me to do something? It's like, God, that doesn't make sense. Like, God, that doesn't sound like a good plan. God, let me help you out with this one. Like, God, what if we did this instead? God, what if, what if we didn't? What if we didn't move to Omaha? I don't even know where Omaha is. What's in Omaha? I remember telling my friend when we were moving to Omaha, he's like, why are you going to Alaska? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> junior high, that's junior high in Albuquerque, New Mexico, public education for you. Like, why is Omaha, why are you going to Alaska? Like, no, it's not in Alaska, it's Nebraska. <laughs> Looking back on my life, so many things that like, God had, had spoken to me. I remember it at 15 years old, knowing that I was called into the ministry. Running from it, didn't want it. God had given me dreams. God had given me visions. Like, I, I knew that's what it was. But I remember at like 22, 23 years old, looking around like, God, I thought it was going to look different than this. Like, God, I thought my life would look different by now. Like, God, that dream you gave me, was that just like the pizza I ate the night before, or was that really from you? And then I get into ministry, and then I really start questioning, God, I thought this was going to look different. <laughs> God, I, I thought it was going to be different. I didn't know it was about all this. But I look back, and, and regardless of, of what I thought, and regardless of the plans that I had, and regardless of my preconceived ideas, God had a plan through it all. And even though his plan wasn't my plan, I look back and it's like, there's a reason. There's a reason I had to walk through that. There's a reason that you had to prepare me in that hard season. There's a reason that you needed to, to humble me and break me of some things, to get me to this place that you wanted me to be. There's a, there's a reason for it. And, and it doesn't mean that the dream that you have is invalid or that it wasn't from God. It just means that you're in the season of preparation where, yeah, you might look around and rather than a dream, it might be playing out a little bit like a nightmare, but that doesn't mean that God isn't with you. And that doesn't excuse you from not keeping your eyes upon him. And at the end of the day, if we would but just trust in God's timing, 
knowing that his plans are better than our plans, his ways are higher than our ways. But if God is, God is, is, has given you a promise, he will be faithful to fulfill that promise in his timing. If we would just submit ourselves, surrender ourselves to his will, focus on the things that we can control. What do you need to do today? Focus on what you can control, your attitude and your effort. Your attitude and your effort. God, we trust you. God, we love you. God, we fix our eyes upon you. God, we lean not on ourselves. But God, we surrender ourselves to your plan. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Our prayer team is, is, is going to come down, and, and here's, here's how I want us to close this service. If you're here today, and you say, Pastor John, like, I feel like Joseph in the prison, or I feel like Joseph in the pit. God's given me a dream. God's put desires in my heart, and I look around, and it's not playing out the way that I want, and my dream is starting to look a little bit like a nightmare. This morning, if you're here, I want to I want to pray for you. I want, I want our team to be able to pray for you, to minister to you in that, just to encourage you today, to believe with you today. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And, and after I'm done praying, we'll be dismissed. But if you're here today and you say, that's me, I would say, don't leave until you had an opportunity to be prayed with and to be prayed for, okay? Lord, we thank you. We love you this morning. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promises found in your word. And Lord, the, the promise that we, we stand on today is that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us, you will never fail us, you will never abandon us. God, it's often in those times where we feel the most alone that you want to, to reveal yourself the most to us. So Lord, forgive us for withdrawing and forgive us for isolating. And Lord, today we want to fix our gaze and fix our eyes and fix our hearts upon you. Lord, we thank you for the dreams that you've given. Maybe there are some today that, that haven't had that dream. They, they, they don't have that vision for their lives. Lord, I pray that you would give that to them, that you would inspire them, that you would encourage them, God, that you would birth something, something big in them today. Lord, for those that look around and expected it to look different at this point, maybe to be further along at this point or to, to be at this position at this stage, Lord, for those that look around and remember the dream that you've given and are like, but it doesn't look the way that I wanted it to, Lord, I pray that you would encourage them today. Lord, that they would trust in your timing because your timing is always better than our timing. That they would trust in your plan because your plan is always better than our plan. That they would trust in your ways because your ways are always better than our ways. Lord, we submit and we surrender ourselves to you. Help us to, to take responsibility for what we're responsible for. But God, not to, to try and be God in our lives, but to allow you to do that. Lord, we love you this morning. Be with us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. This morning, if you need prayer, our altars are open. If not, you can be dismissed. Next week, we're gonna be looking at Moses and I'll let you know about the 10 Commandments movie night. Love you guys. Have a great week. Here at Dream City Omaha, we're all about three things, helping people discover Christ, recover identity, or uncover purpose. 
If you enjoyed today's service, we encourage you to check out our past sermon series as well as our discipleship classes. Give us a subscribe and we hope that we can help you grow no matter where you are.